Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 61 of the Australian Hiker Podcast, and this week's topic is hygiene and hiking. Now, personal hygiene is one of those practices that we are taught early in life. Wash your hands, bathe on a regular basis, and always wear clean underwear. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just, just in case you have an accident, you never know. Uh, we're used to doing these things in our day-to-day life, and the same rules apply in the bush uh, that apply at home. But when we go bush, we lose all the modern conveniences that we're used to having at home. So we don't have the flexibility to just go into the bathroom, uh, wash our hands with with a bit of pressure behind it, and have a shower or a bath to clean ourselves. Most practices that relate to hygiene are based around common sense, but why then do so many people ignore them when they go hiking? So this podcast um, talks about the basics surrounding personal hygiene to ensure that we have a trouble-free adventure uh, and an enjoyable time on the trail. The first thing we're going to go through and talk about uh, is hand washing. Um, And we wash our hands for a number of reasons. Um, uh, In most cases, we've visited this to be into the toilet or about to go when our hands are really dirty. Uh, we're about to prepare food or are changing between handling uncooked and cooked food. Um, or we've been outside, which is this really relates to us from a hiking perspective, and all have all sorts of natural materials, dirt. Um, and in many cases, we don't even know where we've put our hands or what we're putting our hands on. So the whole idea of washing hands is to clean and remove all the germs that aren't necessarily obvious. Um, and we can use one of two options to do this when we're hiking. You can either use water and a biodegradable soap um, or hand sanitizer. As far as using water is concerned, the World Health Organization suggests that you use soap and water if your hands are visibly dirty. Uh, And the recommendation is to wash thoroughly for between around about 55 to 80 seconds. If your hands don't appear dirty, uh, then the recommendation is to use hand sanitizer and thoroughly rub it in for at least 20 to 30 seconds. Now, I can remember a few years ago seeing a recommendation uh, that was supposed to make it easy for you to work out how long you should wash your hands for, uh, and that was you should sing happy birthday to yourself, and it doesn't necessarily have to be out loud, at least twice. And that's about the length of time that you should spend on, on washing and rubbing your hands. So it's really interesting that in terms of washing hands when you're on the trail, those recommendations have been put in place, you know, 55 to 80 seconds for soap and water and 20 to 30 seconds um, for hand sanitizer. I, I would pretty much bet that that would be way beyond what we would do in normal use um, when we're living in a modern environment. So, you know... Um, I, th- I think what we're saying here is that you need to be thinking about what you're doing normally in your day-to-day life as well as what, what's happening on the trail. 
whether you use biodegradable soap or water uh, or whether you use hand sanitizer, ideally you shouldn't do it in the river system or creek that you're just about to walk past. Think about somebody who might be just downstream of you or somebody who's going to come in behind you and drink out of the water you've just washed your hands in. So um, from my perspective, most of the time when I'm uh, washing my hands or cleaning my hands when I'm hiking, it tends to be with hand sanitizer. Um, And uh, if you are going to wash your hands, try and do it at least 60 metres away from a water source uh, to prevent artificial cleaners as well as germs entering the water system. One of the issues with excessive hand washing um, can be that your hands dry out and your skin can actually crack. And if this is a problem for you, then you may need to carry a small amount of moisturiser to compensate for that. Um, It's not something I tend to have an issue with. I think uh, most of my life has been spent working outside. Um, uh, But I know some people do have issues with dry hands, particularly when they use the alcohol-based sanitizers. Taking this to the next, uh, next step, let's talk about the rest of the body. So we're now having a full wash or a full clean. Or at least a bit of a tidy up. (laughs) So if you're hiking for any length of time, get used to not being as clean as you usually would be. Um, While you do need to clean yourself all over from time to time, areas such as the face, armpits and groin region are areas that you need to focus on more regularly uh, and preferably daily. If you're hiking trails that you're using have toilets at the trailheads, an example of a recent hike we just did was the Kangaroo Island Wilderness Trail, where there was a uh, a toilet block and hand-washing facilities at each campground. Now, if this is the case, you can actually go into one of the toilets, there's plenty of space in there, strip down and give yourself a good clean. If you have enough privacy and there's no one else around, you can strip off outside the tent and give yourself a good clean as well. Uh, but um, in all honesty, just make sure that you do have uh, have a bit of uh, bit of privacy. Um, some people are very comfortable within themselves and don't care who's looking. Uh, <laughs> but remember, there might be young kids or family around, so uh, be conscious of other hikers. Or even Jill's having come across uh, one of our fellow hikers who had stripped down, and it was a bit of a surprise, and uh, had to quickly move away. Um, wasn't expecting to see all of that. We have recently changed our body washing system thanks to the recommendations of a friend. Uh, And up until really um, uh, probably about six months ago, we tended to use um, uh, the moist towelettes uh, and the little little sachets, Um, not the really tiny ones, uh, but they were big enough that we would use sort of two or three to give our, our body a full wipe down all over. The issue with this tends to be that you've got more rubbish to take out with you. I mean, the hand sanitizers or the hand sanitizer towels really aren't biodegradable. You need to pack them out and take them with you. Uh, and the packaging they come in with uh, also needs to be taken out as well. Um, nothing wrong with using these. And if that's what you want to use, that's fine. As long as you actually pack out the uh, all the rubbish that you're bringing in with you. What we've recently changed to is using a chucks, which is basically the best way to describe this if you're not familiar with what it is, is a disposable dishcloth or disposable cleaning cloth. Um, and we just, uh, uh, we, we typically tend to buy the big ones and just cut them down to a, a size that's probably around about 30 centimeters by about 30 centimeters. 
um, and just put them into a, a Ziploc bag. Uh, and we also carry some essential oil, either tea tree oil or lavender oil, personal preference here. Um, and when it's time to clean, we just add a bit of water to the bag and a couple of drops of essential oil. Um, just get it really soaked into the uh, the cloth itself and then just start wiping down. Um, and it may may be that you will probably have to add uh, a bit more water and, and uh, wet the cloth a couple of times uh, to get yourself a good clean. And what you can do is um, when you're finished, you can actually wash wash out the cloth and... Um, you know, it uh, doesn't take a lot of water to wash it out and also doesn't take a lot of uh, time or effort to dry it out. So you can either leave it out at night time or if you've, you've washed yourself in the morning, um, you can just sort of clip it onto the back of the pack and it'll dry out quite quickly. Um, other hikers I've known use some um, uh, dishwashing sponges, um, not necessarily the whole sponge. They'll bring a smaller section of it and that works equally as well. That just sounds a bit creepy to me. <laughs> Um, What is it, SpongeBob SquarePants? (laughs) Okay, so again, as with hand washing, particularly more so with body washing because you are uh, washing the whole of you, make sure you're at least 60 metres away from the water source. Focus on the areas um, that you need to focus on. Uh, And I think particularly the face, as I said, the face, armpits and groin is probably the main things. But also don't forget your feet. Keeping your feet clean, we just talked about uh, in the previous episode, happy feet, talking about keeping our feet healthy, um, and keeping them clean is one thing to help make sure you've got good, healthy feet on your hike. Deodorant. So we've gone through and cleaned our hands, we've cleaned our body. Uh, Do we really need to use deodorant on the trail? Um, And again, this is one of these sort of things that's personal preference. Um, Some people will carry deodorant on the trail. Um, For us, we tend not to. Um, it doesn't matter how well you try and clean yourself, unless you've got access to a shower or to have a full body wash every night, uh, you're unlikely to smell as sweetly clean as you normally would in a, in, a, in a normal residential environment. That's for sure. And trust me, Tim definitely doesn't smell sweetly clean. Um, I must admit, I don't notice it, so I can't be too bad. <laughs> Um, so certainly, uh, you know, on a day or two hike, it's not so critical that, you know, you have a wash, you certainly want to wipe yourself down, uh, but certainly it's not so critical and, you know, going without deodorant for a day or two is not so bad. And the other thing, everybody is pretty much in the same situation as well. So, um, if you want to carry it, carry it, but, uh, otherwise I wouldn't bother. And I think particularly on long multi-week hikes, you get to the stage where it doesn't matter what you do, you certainly do smell worse than you do normally. So it's it's a bit of a losing battle there. The next thing we're going to move on to is toileting. Uh, so number ones and number twos. Whether you're going away on a day hike or a multi-week hike, there is always a possibility that you're going to need to poop on the trail. Regardless of the length of the hike, I will always carry trail Uh, a lightweight trowel, and toilet paper just in case. Hopefully I'll never have to use it, particularly on a day hike, but, you know, if you're in the situation where there is no toilet around and you've got to go, not having these things, um, you've got to get very creative with what you're doing if you do need to go to the toilet. And when you've got to go, you've really got to go. (laughs) Choose a spot at least 60 metres away from water sources again, and this is particularly important. 
in the written version of this podcast, we've gone through and put a photo from our 2012 Bhutan trip that uh, we saw in one of the schools, um, and it talked about uh, hygiene and making sure you didn't pollute the waterways by going to the toilet too close. Uh, and it showed the results or, or how disease can be spread uh, throughout um, not just uh, going to the toilet uh, either close to water systems, uh, but you know the after effects that can have as well. Um, in 2013, um, I went to uh, India uh, and managed to pick up Giardia. Um, and Giardia is one of those sort of diseases that's a notifiable disease. So after coming back and going to the doctor uh, and then getting a phone call from the Department of Health asking me all sorts of questions about how I think I got it and what I could have done to, to minimise the risk in the future. Um, certainly doing a lot of research because it was quite a bad case, uh, you soon discover that um, it's pretty much based around people who are preparing food and poor toilet hygiene. Um, so I know I've, I've been accused in the past of going on about this. <laughs> Have, having had a bad case of Giardia, if you've ever, if you've ever had one, you know what I mean, and you don't want it, don't don't want to get it again, or don't want anyone else to get it as well. Yeah, and trust us, the next topic won't uh, won't give Tim an op- opportunity to talk about Giardia. <laughs> okay, so as far as going to the toilet's concerned, urinating on the trail, it's a fairly simple sort of task. Um, Funnily enough, uh, one of the things they talk about is animals seem to like the salts and minerals in urine. Uh, We had a friend of ours who was uh, camping uh, in one of our favourite camping spots near Canberra uh, in the Bimbury Wilderness, uh, and she said she went out uh, 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 to urinate in the middle of the night, um, and the next morning there were these kangaroos eating the grass where she'd she'd gone to the toilet. They just seem to love the mineral salts, uh, and, and that sort of put her off. Um, so the animals will actually dig up um, if they can smell the urine. So sometimes urinating in the same hole that you poop in may not be the best option. You don't always have a choice. Uh, but um, spreading it around or urinating on rocks may be a better option. Now, as far as pooping on the trail, um, as Jill said, sometimes when you've got to go, you've got to go. So uh, you don't always have the luxury of thinking, I need to go to the toilet in 10 minutes' time. Uh, i better dig a hole. In 2016, we hiked on the Larapinda Trail, and the soil there is more a combination of rocks with a bit of soil. <laughs> um, and digging a cat hole, um, and we'll go through and uh, put some pictures on the written version of this article, um, took probably around about 25 to 30 minutes. Um, And we came across examples of people who obviously got caught short uh, and didn't dig a hole. So we came across a number of pieces of toilet paper with small rocks sitting on top of them, and there'd been no attempt made to dig a hole. Uh, So uh, we, from a a habitual point of view, when we get to camp at night time, we'll normally dig a reasonable size hole that's probably bigger than the recommended, um, which means that um, uh, we can both end up using it uh, and then just bury it and, uh, and cover it up in the morning rather than digging three or four or five holes for someone to discover by accident next time someone comes camping. And we generally dig them. Someone's putting the tent up. Someone else is digging the hole just in case. 
Uh, and that typically tends to be my job, I think. I don't know why, but it just does. Because you're digging in rock <laughs> and it's pretty hard. So, <laughs> um, with, uh, with digging the holes, I mean, I've seen a number of recommendations on, on the web from various hikers. Some people tend to use the back of the heel of their boot. That's wonderful if the soil is really soft. That is not an option on the Larapinta Trail. It doesn't work. Um, you do need some sort of digging implement. Uh, so you can either use a sand peg, and this is something we always tend to carry with us uh, when we're hiking for uh, to give a bit of extra purchase with tents sometimes. That can be used, although it's a bit not so easy to, to grip onto. Or a, or a lightweight um, a, a trowel. Uh, that you could, that, uh, some of them times they'll even fold up, um, which goes into or clips onto the back of your pack um, uh, and allows you to dig your hole whenever you need to. There are a number of different trails on the market. Uh, we've gone through and given some photos on the, the written version of this article, and we've also done a review of the, the Cedar Summit uh, collapsible trail as well. One thing I would say with when you have a trail, as I said, Larapinta Trail, where you really are digging into very rocky soil, take it slowly. Don't try and force it, otherwise you'll end up breaking the trail. As I said, it took me anywhere up to about 20 minutes to dig a cat hole, so it's not something that's going to happen in a hurry. Um, once you've done your, your business, you need to go through and make sure um, you're clean like you normally would when you go to the toilet. So toilet paper is fairly important. Um, I have seen some people that will actually take a whole toilet roll on the trail, Again, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but what I tend to do is I work out how many sheets that I'm likely to use on average, uh, and I'll have a, a daily allotment. Uh, <laughs> I prefer to have a few extra sheets just in case. Um, but um, certainly uh, we each have our own bag with toilet paper in it um, based on what we're likely to need. And there's something weird about a squash toilet roll as well. So you <laughs> Got to break it off the roll, and you have to you have to fold it, and you have to put it into a Ziploc bag. Sorry. <laughs> um, so certainly, uh, uh, it's don't forget the toilet paper is pretty critical through here. Um, while we're still, while we were talking about the Larapinta Trail, we talked to a few of the rangers as we went past, uh, and at that stage they weren't. You know, it's not a paid trail. They they only had to. Uh, a rough indication of how many hikers were doing this trail. Um, and their indication was based on the amount of toilet paper they were using on the trailheads. So they, they said that the amount of toilet paper was being used was increasing, and that was giving them an indication that the number of hikers was increasing as well. Um, but um, certainly, uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's the sort of thing that... Um, even though there might be toilets at the trailhead, never assume that the toilet paper hasn't been used up. I've been there, done that. Uh, it's always handy to have your own toilet paper supply. Worst case is if there is no toilet paper, using things like moss, large leaves, or one description I've seen on the internet was flat rocks. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I've got to be pretty desperate by the time I start using flat rocks. Um, <laughs> we bear grills now, are we? <laughs> I think so. I must admit, if, it, if, there, if there's no other choice, maybe that's what you'd go through and do. But it's not going to be particularly uh, um, smooth. And uh, it does it does say flat rocks. And I, th I think I'd probably say smooth flat rocks as well. Um, but it's pretty limited with what you're going to do. 
One of the things that's become more a recommendation these days with packing out rubbish is to pack out used toilet paper. Um, it's something I haven't quite got into. I'm generally quite happy to bury the toilet paper. Most of the trails I tend to hike on aren't that uh, heavily used. Uh, so, but it's, it's something that's going to become more and more common in the coming years, I can see. Uh, don't forget to wash your hands thoroughly afterwards. Um, and uh, some people use what what's called the backcountry bidet, where they actually squirt themselves with water and then use the toilet paper. Personal preference through here, um, something I haven't really gotten into doing, uh, but some people might be quite comfortable with it. While we're talking about toileting, um, things like sanitary products, again, they need to be packed out. Uh, don't bury them because they don't really decompose that well. We've gone through uh, cleaning and disposing of human waste. And I suppose taking it back a step about um, uh, uh, actually consuming food. Because what, what goes in comes no, out. <laughs> it does. Um, and one of the comments I'd make here is sharing food. And again, particularly in relation to hygiene, um, sharing things like trail mix, um, offering a bag of trail mix to someone who puts their hand in your trail mix and takes a handful of food out. Um, I'm not particularly trusting. I don't know what people have done as far as their own personal hygiene and whether they've cleaned their hands properly. Um, so my inclination here is if you're going to give people uh, sharing food with people, pour it into their hands. Don't let them put their hands in your bag of food. Um, uh, it's better off having uh, your own food and your own snacks, and that way uh, you're less likely to pick up diseases or bugs or germs from other people, and you're less likely to transfer them to other people as well. While we're still talking about the mouth, uh, dental hygiene. Now, this is one of the things that people will often not do on the trail. It's like, okay, I'm going camping for a weekend. I won't worry about cleaning my teeth. I'm one of these people, and again, I think it was it must have been a generational thing, where as a child, my teeth cleaning habits were fairly poor. Um, I must admit, I was never taught to clean my teeth twice a day. It was only ever once a day in the morning. Um, so as a result, as a child, I had a lot of cavities. My teeth, while they're not horrendous, certainly aren't as good as they could have been had I had better um, dental hygiene as a child. Your mother would be so embarrassed to hear you say that, Tim. <laughs> Um, so, um, certainly get into the habit of cleaning your teeth on the trail. Um, uh, and again, I, um, I've we've gone through and put a picture of our teeth cleaning kit, which really is a small Ziploc bag, a small handled toothbrush. Uh, and if you're ever going flying overseas on a plane, those, the, the, they're ideal toothbrushes. They give you these little short handled toothbrushes and they are brilliant. Uh, Usually one of the practices for ultralight hikers is cutting the handles off toothbrushes. And I must admit, if I can't find a short-handled toothbrush, I'll do that. Not to save weight, it's mainly just to give myself a reasonable length handle that I can fit into a small Ziploc bag. Uh, I also carry a travel um, toothpaste, which is typically about 45 grams in weight, uh, which will cover me quite well, uh, and as well as dental floss. One of the things that um, 
I'll review over the next couple of weeks, and it was only something that I was aware of but hadn't really come across it, um, certainly in our local area before, was toothpaste tablets. And these are things that tend to be based on bicarbonate of soda as well as other things. Um, and these are actually, from a, a weight point of view, are actually much quite, uh, quite light because you, you've got no moisture in them uh, like you do with toothpaste. So I'll give these a try and do a review over that over the next few weeks. The last thing we're going to talk about in relation to hygiene is doing laundry on the trail. Um, we talked about in the introduction to this podcast, you know, changing your underwear on a daily basis. And I know it's a standing joke, particularly amongst males. Um, you know, you wear, wear, your, wear your underpants uh, back the front, inside out, um, and that gives you four days worth of uh, worth of, uh, of 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 clean uh, uh, underpants. Now, all jokes aside, uh, certainly if you're on a seven day or a ten day hike, you really can't afford weight wise or space wise in your pack to have a clean pair of underpants for seven or ten days. What you've got to rely on is washing underpants and washing your clothes for that matter while you're out on the trail. Um, so you've got to ensure that whatever you're carrying, if you are washing it, will dry reasonably quickly. Um, now, from my perspective, um, on a seven-day trip or a multi-week trip, I'll carry two pairs of underpants and wash as I go. Oh, someone will wash as you go. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that how it happens, Tim? I'm just fascinated to listen to you talk about laundry because I'm not sure you've done much of this in your life. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> That's because I'm not allowed to. <laughs> and there's a reason. <laughs> um, but certainly um, I, uh, I tend to wear long sleeve clothing and long, long pants. Um, but although I wear long pants, I tend to wear pants with zip-off legs. And that's for two reasons. Um, normally if your pants are going to get dirty or messy, it tends to be the bottom half of the pants. So it's easy to zip off the lower legs and just give them a good wash. Um, and, you know, if it is hot, it means you can sort of just um, get, get a bit of coolness there. Uh, long sleeve shirts, again, I tend to use uh, uh, things like um, merino wool, uh, which doesn't tend to smell as bad as a lot of the synthetics. So you're still going to smell after a week or two, uh, but certainly using merino wool, you smell less. Um, uh, and now I know people have personal preferences here. Some people use synthetics. Uh, some people use merino wool. There's nothing wrong with either choice. Uh, but if you're using synthetics, you will smell more commonly or, or more quickly, at least anyway. So the key, I think, is to um, rinse out and rinse out regularly. So um, the longer you wear a particular item, uh, the more impregnated it's going to be with your body odour. And um, the more difficult then that will be for you to do a quick rinse out on the trail. So rotate, if you have a change of clothes, rotate um, through your change of clothes. Um, and when you are rinsing things, you don't need a lot of water, but you do need to apply a bit of re rigorous action. So it's not just a quick rinse um, in some water um, you do need to do a bit of uh, uh, squashing and a bit of uh, shaking out and a bit of re-wetting 
to get some of the uh, odour out of the clothing. There are products available through the camping and hiking stores where they're virtually what what they amount to is a a small waterproof bag with some um, uh, rough plastic inside them or uh, rough plastic nodules inside them, and you just rub them around. That actually forms a a small trail washing machine. Um, From my perspective, I normally have large-ish Ziploc bags, which my food goes into, and certainly it's not going to fit a pair of pants, uh, but will fit uh, underwear or my tops quite well, uh, so I can get some water. Um, and if I need to, the essential oils, uh, which uh, I've, uh, we mentioned previously for washing your, your body, uh, can go in there and freshen it up as well. Yeah, and I think you know um, you, you're just trying to smell better um, rather than make it really clean. Um, so. The big clean happens at the end of the trip, however long that's going to be. Um, on the way there, you're just wanting to be bearable, I think. Now, I have come across people before that have done long multi-week trips and they've carried basically uh, a, a change of underwear and a change of tops for every day of the trip. Um, that's fine. Again, it's extra weight and if you feel like carrying it and that's what you want to do, that's not a problem. Uh, but be conscious that all these little things all add up. Um, and uh, certainly for me, um, my current bait or current total pack weight for a five to seven day trip is around about the about 14, 14 and a half kilos. Uh, and certainly I'm aiming to get that lighter for my, my multi-week trip later on this year. Okay, so really... What it comes down to with hygiene on the trail, it's a matter of what compromises you as a hiker are willing to make. Um, If you want to smell pristine and have clean clothes every day, that's fine. That's doable. It means you're going to be carrying more weight and you're going to be carrying a lot more equipment. But if that's what you want to do, that's not a problem. If you don't mind smelling a bit uh, and want to minimize the amount of weight, uh, and and certainly um, uh, some of the long distance hikers. If you read some of the blogs uh, in the in the states, uh, they talk about stinky uh, through hikers. Um, you know, and if everyone's in the same sort of situation, it's not so bad. Just remember, though, when you go into stores, if people look at you strangely, it's probably because you don't smell so crash hot. <laughs> So uh, we did ask you to let us know if you had any questions that you would like us to answer. And uh, we've got three questions uh, that we've received so far, and one of them relates to safety on the trail. And uh, the query was really um, how safe do you feel um, and how safe is it, uh, partly to be hiking with others and partly to be hiking uh, by yourself. I have to confess that um, a couple of years ago, that was probably something that was a concern for me. And having done more hiking in more remote remote places, I'm not sure what I was worried about. Um, and I'm probably not at the point that I would yet go hiking alone but certainly we see lots of people hiking alone and we see lots of males and lots of females hiking alone. Um, the people that we meet on the trail are very friendly and very 
uh, normal. <laughs> I'm not sure how to say it any other way. Um, and that contributes to a sense of comfort and a sense of uh, safety on the trail. Okay, so we're actually that's actually going to be the topic for our next episode uh, in two weeks' time, episode 62, uh, will be safety on the trail, and we'll go into that in more detail. Now, the second of the questions that we were asked uh, related to um, our, our previous podcast, episode 61, Happy Feet, uh, where we were asked about whether how you, you know, how you actually tell where the shoes are ready to to be sent off to the rubbish bin, basically, um, because sometimes it's really obvious the the shoes have collapsed and they've just it's so obvious that there's no question, um, but it's probably more about um, when they are almost there, but you're not quite sure when to throw them out, um, and what I'd probably say here is um, for me. The thing, my, I, I don't tend to wear out shoes on top at all. You can't really tell how old my shoes are by looking at them from top. It's the underneath. It's the soles of the shoes that I tend to wear out. Um, and certainly in our podcast, when we talked to Matthew um, Hotchkiss, uh, the podiatrist, he said that um, once your feet start feeling sore or hurting more, that's probably a good indication the shoes had it. Um from my perspective, that never tends to be an issue. My shoes never get that bad that they feel uncomfortable or sore. Um, but the thing that I use to gauge about whether it's time to get rid of shoes is I lose traction. So a lot of the walks I do in my uh, in my local area close to home, um, I walk on a um, an old fire trail, uh, which is during the summertime, has a lot of loose rock, a lot of powder, and it's very very easy to lose footing. Uh, and when my shoes don't give me traction on that trail, that's the indication that it's time to throw them out. So really, the, the, the answer to this tends to be, if your feet are sore and uncomfortable, if you're losing traction, if they're basically falling apart, it's probably the time that you should get rid of your shoes. And I would also say that um, if you're wearing your shoe in a particular place, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's a little bit connected to the traction issue. Um, but if you're wearing them in a particular place and perhaps some of the lugs are, are wearing down and so on, you'll also start to get a sense of leaning in a particular direction as well. And so, you know, think about that because that can't be good for you either. Okay. Now, our third and final question is um, relates to gauging the size of uh, rain jackets, and this probably applies to um, uh, uh, warm weather jackets or or, or, or down jackets as well. Uh, about judging how what what is the right size, and my response to this question really is, um, I suppose if you try and hug yourself and you can't do it, that's probably a good indication <laughs> that the, the jacket is too small. Uh, it's a fairly simple, easy sort of process, uh, but think when you go through and do this is. It needs to be in the conditions you're likely to be wearing it in. So if you have a rain jacket with just a T-shirt on underneath, it's going to be quite easy to, to do that. If you add three or four layers, that's going to make it more difficult. So certainly when I choose a rain jacket um, or a down uh, a rain jacket in particular, but also a down jacket, I put the layers on that I've been wearing underneath it and see if I can hug myself there and that's a good indication on size, 
whether it's the correct size or not. Yeah, and I also use a rain jacket as part of uh, the warmth and the windbreak um, layer as well. So um, if it's really cold, I'll have a few layers underneath. I'll have perhaps a singlet and a and a t-shirt, perhaps a long sleeve um, uh, icebreaker top and a lightweight down jacket and then uh, the rain jacket over the top. So there are a few layers, which means that they all need to fit underneath and fit underneath comfortably the rain jacket. Okay, so that's all for our questions. If you do have any more questions that you'd like answered, please send them through to us. Um, uh, either email us, uh, uh, go through our website and email us, or send us a message through Facebook and we'll go through and answer those. Our intent is to go through and answer questions about every second podcast uh, and intersperse this with uh, Hiker, U- Hiker News and Hiker Hack on the other, other episodes as well. All right, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, as we said, our next episode in two weeks' time is on safety on the trail. So, as I said, we'll be discussing um, what we think uh, people need to do to remain safe on the trail and how you can feel safer on the trail. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me. <laughs>